storygoers, and welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Cartridge, the video game storytelling podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. I will be one of your other co-hosts, Ryan Bauer. And Ryan, you have an amazing memory card episode today. We are joined by none other than the wonderful, amazing Celeste. Celeste, how are you? Hi, friends. Good to be back again. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good, good. Happy to have you here. As we always ask, how are you and what have you been playing? I'm doing good. I guess since since last I was on for the for the Baldur's Gate two that we started, you know, I transed myself, transed myself <laughs> real good. Um, so that was a fun time. Um, started hormones and everything, so that's always a fun time. Congratulations! Thank you. Hey. Otherwise, life things have been good. Um. Just live in the dream. Got a nice job now that lets me have a little more time to play some fun games and things. I, oh, Yay. Let me check. I've started, I've been doing a thing in my, for like since the pandemic started, a little little notes on my phone of what games I've been playing. Each oh, that's year. smart. Let's see. Very this smart. year, yeah. so far, I've got, you know, the, um, uh, the abusive relationship I can never quit with League of Legends because I have friends to play that with. Mm. Just got back into Overwatch too because I like suffering. Uh, also, <laughs> like, there's not enough. I don't hate myself enough. That needs to change. I feel that so much. What was it? Um, I got back into into Valheim mm-hmm. since they came out with the Mistlands update recently, which I still need to take Ryan on a little tour yeah. through that because it's. I don't want to give too much away for him, but it's a it's a fun it's a fun spooky time. Lots of dangerous things and fun, fun Viking shit to do. And otherwise, what was it? So my other friends got me into getting some mods to play Skyrim together. Mm, um, oh, where it lets you kind fun. of be on the same server and like do stuff. It's buggy as fuck, <laughs> and it crashes like once every thirty minutes. But it's 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 really fun to like play Skyrim and like watching your friends just like run around and figuring out how to do stuff together so it's 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 the one thing that really let this like you know what 12 year old game be uh kind of fun and new and exciting again um um oh i also played the i was just, I, I was telling y'all before i played the Baldur's Gate 3 early access mm. um and was really excited to hear Minsk and boo will be in Baldur's Gate 3 when it comes out later this year so just literally like all my molecules like vibrating in sheer joy (laughs) but that's some things i've been up to yeah nice well very very nice we're so happy to have you here as you'll be our 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 main contributor to this episode but we'll get into that in just a few minutes but first ryan how are you and what have you you been playing as i wave this pet you can't see i'm waving a pen around for some reason he is aggressively (laughs) (laughs) answer the question um i am doing pretty well um it is uh still a busy wild time um Mm. overall good um and uh yeah playing not much new destiny season 19 still cranking away got a month to light fall very excited uh for that they just announced like huge changes to the game where like everybody has all the mods now um you can do whatever you want now we're having loadouts next season we're taking away armor stuff it's very exciting um so making some fun changes to that uh played up which is a game we both love Mm -hmm. um they had a a lunar new year update where you're making dumplings and that's very (gasps) fun 
Um, we have pipes. Yeah, yeah. And there's also, pipe. like, seaweed is a side, and uh, bamboo is a side, and you have to have, like, put soy sauce out on the table for the dumplings. It's very fun. Oh, uh, I love and very so good. bad. And then I tried a little bit. Uh, Bear Breakfast is a game I've wanted to play for a long, long time. And I finally is stable on Steam Deck, so I was playing it a little bit. And it was very fun, but I haven't, I haven't played a ton yet. But it's just a very chill relaxing game also i've been playing a game called dwarf romantic which is a very chill relaxing tile placing game um and uh luck be a landlord which is like a a game where you (laughs) roll it's like a casino um style thing but you like are building a deck of faces on it so like it spins and if you have a cat and milk the cat eats the milk and you get two dollars from that cat and you have to every like six spins have to pay your landlord and in the end you like murder your landlord and you and all your you and all your other tenants take control of the means of housing and that is like the arc of the game it's very fun and silly oh my god <laughs> uh, I, need to, well, I need to add that to my steam wish list like yeah. uh, a landlord it's a very chill fun game which is kind of like a deck building uh what are they called those just a deck building game yeah but you're not like building cards you're like putting different faces on a what are they what are slot machine on you're putting slot faces uh, on a slot machine mm-hmm. so like you're, you're and there are like endless amounts of combinations there's there's it gets really wild and you have to like pick and choose what things you put on it to get money and it's it's really fun and just kind of a really fun mindless game of of luck and fun so yeah that's what i have been playing uh oh some bits and bobs here and there uh, but eric how are you hmm. what have you been playing I'm good. I'm good. Like you said, it's kind of been a crazy week. It's just kind of been a crazy beginning of the year, it feels like, a little bit, but not too bad. I just went uh, cross-country skiing successfully. I only fell once, and I only Ooh. fell because of this dumb rock. This mm. dumb, stupid rock that was stuck in the ground, <laughs> and I was I was going down a hill, and my, my knees were bent, and I was facing forward, and I was doing such a good job, and that dumb rock twisted my, my ski to the side, and I fell over, and I was so... And right at the very end, too. It was like, oh, right, no. I, I was like the pinnacle of like my... my, my, my uh, dopamine just like super you know just rushing through my brain i was doing such a good job and then and then i crashed um but i had a really good time so and then i also eat pizza outside in the cold which is surprisingly fun you know yeah. I, don't know. I don't know why it just feels it feels like it's wrong but it's right <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh and for what i've been playing honestly i've only been playing pokemon violet i have actually been really enjoying it good uh, much more than i anticipated much more i played pokemon sword when it, when it came out and i was just really disappointed by it so I was a little nervous about Pokemon Violet, but a lot of the clients I have at work were coming in and telling me, like, from, from children to adults, they're all telling me about playing Pokemon Violet. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll have to, in, in Scarlet. And I said, all right, I'll have to get it. And it's great. The only, my only negative about it, and I may have said this last time, is that there's no uh, level scaling. So, like, you can go into a battle with, like, you know, people who are just crazy more powerful than you are, and you never would know until you get into the battle and just lose horribly. So that's that's my only my only downside or you can get into a battle and be like way overpowered and it's not fun so the only negative i think about the game so far um but other than that i've been really really enjoying it so speaking of pokemon i want to say a huge shout out to all the the story goers because we hope that you enjoyed our last uh, episode our bedtime story for pokemon yellow and i want to say a big thank you to everyone who's listened because it's been out for a week now i think yeah Yeah, and it's been our i think our fastest downloaded our most downloaded uh, sto- uh bedtime story episode just within a week like it, it's it's already gotten so many downloads in like just a, a week yeah i was looking at today it's got like almost 40 something or something yeah like it's doing that. great wow. yeah usually you know usually it builds up for a while. it takes a while for it to build but it's already like that's that's quite good for us in a week so i was really happy with that that's fun i'm very excited to keep going with it and i realized as i was recording it i had written like 
like we've already stopped in the episode like i have so much more written so like we already have <laughs> episodes ready to go yeah i'm very excited to keep going and see where we can go with this so very happy about it i want to say thank you to everyone's listened so it was really 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 nice so as always storygoers you may email your thoughts feelings and perspectives to us at tales from the cartridge at gmail.com all the e's are threes you can find us on instagram as well dm us comment on our posts or you can call the official tales from the cartridge phone number leaving us a voicemail or a text at 207-494-4334 and we'll read everything on a future episode so thank you but ryan this is your this is your baby memory card is 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 you have have, have uh, piloted the ship for this sure. so i would love to just to have you take it away if you if you would and and get us going on this amazing episode yeah, thank you so much. So uh, we're here for a memory card, which this is, I think, our fourth memory card we've ever done. Which you don't know, uh, memory card is really just a chance for us to talk uh, to people we care about, about the things that they care about, video games specifically, and video game media, um, to get to know a little more about them and their relationship with video games and video game stories. Um, I think as we've been doing these, um, we've it, it, it provides a really interesting insight into people as they talk about games that were important to them or stories they are drawn to. And um, I think it's just a really great way to get to know people even better. So uh, I have been asking Celeste, and I'm so glad they're able to join me uh, and Eric for this episode uh, because I, I want to know more about uh, the games they enjoy and the things they enjoy and, and them because uh, Celeste... You're a good friend of mine, and uh, but I haven't known you for an incredibly long amount of time, and I don't know a ton about your long-term relationship with video games. I'd love to hear more about it. So uh, my first question is, what's your story or history with video games, just in general? Oh, in general? Um, wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I think... Some of the earliest things I really remember are um, when I was young. Um, I just remember my parents had gotten divorced when I was like five, and really some of my like earliest, like more like coherent memories are still. I'm like, oh no, this is just a therapy session now, isn't it? Is. is this just an intervention just to work on my deep childhood traumas? Um, <laughs> um, but I remember I remember getting an, an original Xbox. I think it was like for Christmas the first time, and I had like the N64, and probably, or I had the PlayStation before that, and that was probably right around when the PlayStation 2 was coming out. But I remember, like, Super Smash Brothers mm-hmm. was one of, like, the first games I had to really just, like, dig my teeth into um, to just something that was just, like, fun to play and, like, learn about. And that was probably before I even knew who, like, half those roster of, like, Nintendo characters were. Like, I didn't know what the heck Samus was then. Yes. Um, and then... You know, as like a a not yet known queer kid who is neurodivergent growing up, it's like, oh, turns out if you have ADHD, you know, a a type of media that gives a lot of like instant feedback, (laughs) um, especially if it has like compelling stories and good gameplay, uh, it just takes up a bit of my time. Um, So... 
yeah, I, I played a lot of games all throughout my childhood, and um, uh, yeah, just just lots, lots. Yeah. Probably, I've probably had like most consoles that have come out because my parents still they got divorced, but then like they're still they live within like ten minute drive of each other, so. I still get to see both my parents frequently, but what that means they also that's like that's like two birthdays, two Christmases every year. <laughs> mm-hmm. My birthday's yeah. in October, so those are like right next to each other. But like not too close that they like they overlap on gifts, but it's like close enough that it's like you get those things. So it's like double the games, double the consoles, it's like a lot of a lot of times of like having to like unplug like my whole freaking Xbox and like chug it all the way over <laughs> to the other house. Yeah. Uh, but now I just have most things on PC, so I could just sit here in my room and just have a good time. Yeah. That was always something I have. I always remember um, like inviting my friends over, like calling them up and be like, "Hey, you want to come over this weekend?" And that's probably usually what we do is like play Smash Bros or some other game or like watch a movie or play outside or something. God, remember playing outside? Yeah, <laughs> the past is weird. Yeah. Still, still, still very fun. If you haven't done it recently, it's still very fun. <laughs> I suggest it. Oh, I need to. <laughs> it's funny. I was thinking about that the other day. Is playing outside and how just like. And it's so funny. It was always that thing of like, uh, you guys need to get outside and play more. Like, you know, usually from adults, from playing video games, right? And like, you go outside and you can play. There'd be times I go outside and be like, this sucks. Like, <laughs> I'd rather be playing Zelda. It's <laughs> <laughs> like you should have to sit there. You're like, oh, and you're like, this sucks. I just want to play Zelda or play Smash. <laughs> I definitely remember those times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, is there if between the three, right? So, like, for, when I think back to my childhood, like the N sixty four was the reigning champ, right? I got the my PS two and, and Xbox much later than my N sixty four. So, when I think of my childhood, I think of the N sixty four a lot. For you in your childhood, what of the the consoles, Xbox, PS, or uh, N sixty four? Which one kind of like does one is one like kind of like on a pedestal more than the others, or is it all kind of the same? Um. Hmm. Because I'm trying to even... The N64 really had a lot of fun games that were really, mm-hmm. like, still really fun in my memory. Because that was when we still had, like, the little, like, game rental stations at our local price chopper. Yes. Oh my god, could, yes. Like, they had the cartridges just, like, laid out and you could just, like, pick one up and rent them. Because what, what were my big times? There was Super Mario 64, which I could, like, which I never beat. Um, oh. I also had... I think I had one where, like, the... The, um... I think some, like, I had one where somebody had already, like, done a good bit of progress. Because I remember just, like, running up through the castle and, like, most of it was already, like, unlocked. But that's good because I would never have been able to get through, like, that water level. That would have, no. that would have shunted my progress right there. Um, <laughs> but I had, like, um, the Kirby 64 game, which I loved because you could, Kirby could swallow two different people and mix their powers, which was, like, yeah, psh, yeah, lights my brain so up cool. on the combos. Um, Star Fox 64. Yes. That was a big time. Because those were games I'd still try to either get on, like, emulators or, like, get on, like, you could buy them on, like, your Wii U or the Switch and play them again. Um, <clears throat> I remember some snowboarding game. It was, like, some cartoony snowboarding game. Oh, Mario Snowboard Kart, Kids? too. Uh, maybe. I think so. I think, I think it was, like, kids. Yeah, big Nose. Yeah, 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 snowboard kids. Yeah, yeah. I think I had I had had the sixty four one of that. I remember. I remember. I never owned that one. I just rented that like several times. 
<laughs> same. Oh my. Yeah. Same. I was talking about that on the show before, but like the idea of like going into like my my grocery store was called a Shop and Save, and you walk in, and on the left side there's always be the the rental like side. I remember seeing Sub Zero on N64, be like, I can never rent this because I'm too young, but I really want to. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. Kind of... What game was it? Um, as that just reminds me of um, I had a quick tangent, which. They're never quick. There's gonna, there's gonna be a lot of them. Um, that just reminds me of um, oh, back when games had like there was a, a PS2 game, War of the Monsters, which was basically like oh, very uh, good. I like love a, that. Game. Yeah, yeah, it was like a it was like a brawler game, but with like these archetypes that look like it was very it was done in like a traditional like kind of like 1950s like horror movie style with like the the characters were all like giant robots or like giant praying mantises or like basically Godzilla or like basically King Kong but like their own things that they made um and there was one skin I think most of the skins you could unlock in the game but there was one skin that you needed a, a save file on your PS2 of a separate game I don't even remember what it was called it was like some it was like some road rage game had like a had like a death metal clown as like the oh oh, oh uh, twisted metal Twisted yes, metal, yeah, yes. Yeah. You needed you needed a twisted metal file on your PS2 to get this like one skin. And I remember going out, and I think it was because it was like rated R. And I was like, Dad, Dad, I need to rent this game so I can get a save file on. I think I remember <laughs> I played the game for maybe like twenty minutes, um, and it was like I get that skin. Um, it wasn't even for like a character I really liked playing in War of the Monsters, but I remember that. I remember it was like yeah. just the the weird shit you had to do in games to get things. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so good. Um, yeah, the N sixty four is like is like probably like the foundational one. There had a lot of fun on, definitely a lot of like Xbox, like Halo. I got into yeah, and, um, yeah. like any Star Wars games for the Xbox at that time. Uh, and then like the PS two, I think when like you know, I had I think OG Battlefront I had on the Xbox. That's right, and I had the Dreamcast too. I had fucking everything. Is there is there any one game or a couple of games that you think have had like either now or when you were younger that had like an impact on like how you see the world or media that you like to engage in now? Or is there any game or game series that is like really important to you as a person or that you connect with? Uh, oh, or that you think back to? I guess I'll go with since I was thinking of it for today. Um, game I actually played like just last year. I played, and I think I've talked to you a little bit about it, Ryan. But um, a little game called Hellblade: Senwa's Sacrifice. Oh, um, which was a game that uh, uh, half of my Steam library right now is things that I've seen like YouTubers that I like really recommend. Um, and I'm like, gotta get that. And I get them because sometimes they're like $5 games or like they're on sale or they just really recommend them. I'm like, gotta get that. I probably got, when did I get some of the sacrifice? Does it say when I first started playing it? Cause I think I, I probably got it like three years ago. Like I bought it and then didn't play it till like last year. Um, I think it was because in my brain, I always did that thing where the reviewers said like, it's a game you probably could beat like in a day. I think I beat it in probably like less than a week easily um and i think i just had that idea that like i could beat this in an afternoon so i'll pick a good afternoon and then i just was always like not this afternoon i'll try next <laughs> afternoon and then i just never did that and i'm like i 
just want to play this game. I need to I need to stop buying games. I need to start playing the ones I have in my Steam library. And I've heard this one's really good, so I want to try it. Um, and so I finally got around to playing it. And uh, Hellblade, Sunless Sacrifice, um, is basically about uh, TLDR, a, uh, a, a Celtic warrior, a woman named Senwa, who is basically on a spirit quest to try and revive her her dead husband whose soul was taken by, by Vikings, by the Norsemen. And sort of her journey. And it's this really like gritty, dark game. But it's also just really like I don't know if heartfelt is the word. But it's definitely, it's not, it's not like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like simultaneously, like very, it's, it's just this journey of this woman going through just like, to, like literal hell. Like she's literally trying to get to like Viking hell. And, um. But it's still such like a, it's such a hopeful story. It's like, there's so much like pain and fear and darkness, but it's all to like, it's all just to like, get to this person she loves. And it just, I don't know. It just made it so, it's so very different from anything else I've ever played. Um, and the big, the other big kind of, I don't want to say gimmick because it's, they put more work into it if you watch, uh, like, the behind-the-scenes things for it. But the uh, they also... It's very heavily implied uh, throughout the game that um, Senwa is, like, suffering from severe mental illness. Like, she's got uh, severe uh, psychosis that causes uh, auditory and visual hallucinations. Um, so throughout the game, right from the start, there's, like, a, there's another voice narrating that's not Senwa's. Um, and it's interesting because they kind of address you, the player, through, like, second person. So it's like, it kind of, I don't know if it was intended, but it kind of gives this feeling like maybe, like, in this case, you kind of get to be ahead in Senwa's voice, too. Um, and, but there's, it's like a little, like, Greek chorus, I think of, like, I'm not even exactly sure on the number. I think it's about four. There's, like, the main, like, narrator woman who sounds kind of more, like, mature. Uh, and then there's, like, three... I think they I think they're listed in the credits as the Furies. I think they're never called that in the game, but I think that's how they're like referred to. And there's there these three voices who constantly throughout the entire game are always kind of like especially if you've got like good headphones like these, it's like they sound like they're usually like next to or behind you. Um to kind of give that feeling like they're like in Senwa's head. And the whole time, everything you do, because it's like she's going on this dangerous journey, you know, in the beginning of the game, you're you're mostly, like, scaling some rocks and, like, going over rickety bridges as they're, like, setting the tone. And the voices are like, can she go back? No, she has to go forward. It's like, she has to save him. It's she, She's a fool. She's, she's already dead. It's like, no. And it's like you're going over the rocks and they'll be like, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. And it's, and it's, and they, like, overlap each other. And it's, like, can be, like, almost overwhelming at times but it's such it's such like a just sensory experience i've never had in a game before that really made it like stand out 
Um, which like I I and like I had my partner try out the game, and like that was a little like overstimulating and overwhelming for them, which is like super heck invalid. So it's like may not be set up for everybody, but I think um, especially the behind the scenes things they talk about how it's um they really have done like 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 they brought in people like suffering from like those kinds of conditions in real life to like get their feedback and get their stories and experience like put into this game. Um, but it's, and the, 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 the combat's pretty fun too. You get a sword and you get to hack away at undead Viking people. Um, but it's, but then the main, the main course of the game is in attempting to open the door to hell, Senwa gets this dark rot that starts like blackening and consuming her hand. And the game, it's the one time the game puts up, like, words to tell you something. And it's that, like, every time you, like, fail in combat, basically every time you, you know, quote-unquote die in the game, the rot on Senwa's arm grows and snakes further up her arm and towards her head. And if it gets to her head, like, she's permadeath. And the game's over. So it's like, there's checkpoints, you know, for parts of the game, but it's like, if you die too many times, then you're done so. Gotta start all the way over. So that adds a lot of, like, tension to, like, each fight, where it's like, I remember I got, I got, like, a good ways through before I died my first time. Um, but it was, and it's such a, it's such a, the whole thing is such, like, a harrowing journey. And just like with Senua, the game really plays with your perceptions. It's got, it's pretty much split up between like combat and puzzles. Um, and a lot of the puzzles have to do with like lining things up and like perception things, kind of like some of like the, like some of the Riddler trophies were in like the Arkham games. If you've played those, that's like the best thing I can think of to compare it to, but like much less grindy and like they're actually like kind of like fun to do or like, like they have the, they have like these gates that are built. Um, where it's like when you go, th you'll you'll be like looking at a wall, but then when you go through the gate and look through the gate, the wall's gone. And when you pass through the gate, the wall remains gone. And if you go back around and try to go through the gate again, now the wall will be there again. So it's like there's all these like weird like illusion things, and they have they have times where it's like it's completely dark and stuff like that. But it was, and the the story is just really good. The acting's really good. I. If, if, if it's a game that you think you can handle, I would very much recommend it. When when you played with your partner, did you were you able to use both have a pair of headphones on while you played? I played it first, and then I kind of recommended it to them and had them like try okay. it through my Steam library. So I think they tried it a little bit with headphones and then without. And I think I think a lot of it too is it was they found it a little distracting. Um, yeah. Which is like, it can be a lot. So I yeah, definitely yeah. understand that. I've not played it and I want to so bad. And I, now this makes me really want to play it. Because I love uh, Ninja Theory, I think, is the developer. I think so, um, yeah. Yeah, which they made DMC. And I really like DMC. I know a lot of people who love Devil May Cry did not like DMC. I really like DMC. And uh, I think they had another title I really enjoyed. But now I can't think of it off the top of my head. But they, I like them a lot. I think they're great great developers. But I'll, uh, I'll say one, one thing. I think the one thing I really took from this game, besides it just being a great friggin story like just games like that that really stick with you just because it's like a, just a great experience to go through god really the f f games 
it's just, it's the same reason, like, why is House Beneviento the scariest part in Resident Evil 8? They take away your gun. <laughs> it's like, things are less scary when you can at least shoot at them. Even if the bullets don't do anything, you at least feel good, like, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's a point where, but Senwa obviously doesn't fight with, like, you know, a, a, a fucking, you know, Glock. She's got a sword. <laughs> um, but they've got a part where uh, she doesn't have her sword. Um, there's, there's, there's one level where she goes in this area, it's pitch dark. Like, even in the game, you can, like, hardly see. And, but the voice of her, of her dead husband kind of comes to her. It's like, hey, I'm here. It's like, I'm going to help you through this. Um, And you kind of just have to go, you have to, a lot of it, it's like, you can, some of it you can kind of see, but a, a lot of it you have to go by, like, sound, where there's, like, a little, like, babbling brook you have to follow or something, or sometimes little lights in places but it starts to get like kind of like darker and darker but you have this 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 like literally like the one like the main like support in her life who um who's like there and it's just very like it's like you've got this like just keep breathing and i'm like i'm like oh i need to hear that as the player (laughs) that's good game design because right now i'm anxious as fuck um (laughs) But eventually it gets to this point where at first it's like just dark and you're just kind of going through, but eventually like other things start coming in. And it was the worst because it was like, you could still sort of make out the silhouettes, but they were like these like undulating things in the darkness. Like it wasn't just like, oh, it's like the enemies that are normally in the game, but I just need to avoid them. It's like, no, these are like, I'm like, I'm like literally seeing it. I'm like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know what that is. And it's making noises and I don't like it. But, but it was something I still got through that level. That was probably the hardest one for me. And it was probably the closest I came to, to like having more of really that sense of like panic in the game come up for me. Cause it was, it was just rather stressful. Um, but it was exciting. And Without that, without without kind of that like supportive voice there, um, and I think it was completely clear of like the Furies at that point. I don't even remember them talking. I just remember she's just got her husband Dilly in there, just in her head. It was just like, keep going forward. I'm with you. It's like you can do this. You'll be all right. And I'm just like, we're gonna do this, Senwa. We're gonna we're gonna make it through this thing. <laughs> and I think. I'm trying to even remember if I had to, if I failed at one thing and got reset at one point. I think, I don't even know if I did. I may have made the whole thing without it because I could tell if I did, if I had to reset and start a part of that over, I would have probably been like, Mm-mm, can't do it a second time. Because <laughs> um, God, I think, because um, I think like the whole last stretch of it is like you fall into a basement and it's just got like hanging bodies and shit. And it's like, and it's like, and there's things in there. You're, and it's like, and I think it's like flooded too. So it's like the it's like you're you're wading through water while there's like upside down like corpses. Like you're like you have to like avoid while there's also patrolling undulating creatures. And it's just like fuck this, fuck everything about this. But I got through it, and I beat that level. 
And I just, but I just remembered while I was doing that, it's like I was, I remember feeling close to that feeling of panic, but feeling like I've, I've, I've still got this. I've got enough of me and I've got enough of my resolve that I'm like, I'm, I was literally talking to the game all the time. I'm like, we've got this said, well, we're going to get, we're going to get through this. It's going to be fine. And I'm like, I'm literally like remembering to breathe because the game reminded me to breathe. And, I kind of, and I just remember kind of taking that and, and, and when I succeeded in that, you get through that and you get back and you're like out of the darkness and you're back to the rest of the game. Um, I just remember I kind of had that idea in my head now. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Senwa, I'm like, we can do hard things. I was like, that was really difficult. Not like, not even from a gameplay perspective, the gameplay, it's like looking back on it is sort of kind of easy. It's like the things aren't too hard to avoid. If it was just like if it was just like a fully lit thing where you had to like dodge these black cubes that are walking by, it's like oh that's fine. It's like oh just move that way. But it's like <laughs> it's the atmosphere. It's the storytelling. It's it's you're in the dark and there's these horrible like unknowable monsters that are just there. What do they do if they get you? I don't fucking know. I don't think any of them grabbed me. So that's still a horrifying mystery to me to this day. Um, but because they're because the rest of the game really stresses that that theme of like of like trial and perseverance and being resilient through literally like the worst fucking things life can throw at you. And but I just I I had. The, the game had, like, shown me through being able to play that what that sense of, like, bravery and strength and perseverance through those types of feelings felt like. And so mm-hmm. I took that. And it's like any time else something was in the game, because that, you know, there's more shit in the game after that. Where it's like, oh, f- you know, you come up to, like, some dark cave and you're like, we have to go in the fucking cave. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> there's literally no light in there. Or it's like, it's something like that. But I'm like, but then I would, like, stop and I'd, like, breathe. And I'm like, we I'm like, we can do this time. <laughs> it's like we can get through this. So that was just a really like profound kind of lesson for me. Um, especially as someone who has dealt with like a lot of anxiety throughout my life. It's like, oh I can handle these big things, I can handle these scary things, like I can I can do hard things. It's like I I have that power within me. And that was that was something I really took from the game that it was able to do with its all of the the story and the the sound work and the acting and the design elements of it that really put it in that experience. It, it almost sounds to me like that that situation that you were describing with the the basement and the hanging bodies and everything like that and like the 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 feeling of anxiety that you had like it's almost like a a fantastic way to kind of represent how like a person can be stuck with like really negative intrusive like feelings and thoughts and how it sucks to be in that and that really see that really shitty situation but how like eventually eventually you will get through it right it sucks you kind of have to sit in it for a little bit right but it, but it does come to an end as long as you keep moving forward so like it's kind of like it sounds like it's like that perfect representation of like i mean the idea is like a perfect representation of like real life feelings like that. You're, we're not all walking through basements of hanging dead bodies with the creatures patrolling it, right? Oh yeah, like, no. The feel, the it, feeling there is like <laughs> sheer panic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not just Some like, oh, that. I'm yeah. kind of worried about things sometimes. That's like, holy fuck, I'm gonna die. 
<laughs> this is not good. Yeah. <laughs> but that's but that's absolutely like the rest of the game kind of deals with that question of like it's like you have these like these these like things about yourself and you're, these things that have happened in your life that you can't really get rid of and like how do you get through that? Um and yeah, they just they just they did they made a fucking banger with that game and I'm, I'm I'm gearing up to I'm like I wanted to play it through a second time because I technically there's like they just have a little thing where um, I, I didn't hundred percent the game my last time through so and I think I think it's just one of those games where it doesn't change anything major they give you like one little like Easter eggy thing at the end or something if you do it but I'm like I need it yeah mm-hmm. and I'm like but I also want to but I, I would also I I also want to like. It's definitely, it's like a book you want to read again. It's like, I just want to, I want to go through that story again now, like, knowing what I know about it all and seeing how that experience holds up again. I think we all have that one game that, that we need to 100%, whether we realize it or not. Mine was Final Fantasy 13, mm. or Final Fantasy 10 2, <laughs> which was just not, it was worth it. Actually, looking back, it was worth it. It was very hard, it was worth it. Do you find, or... Is Senwa's Sacrifice different in the games you usually engage in? I don't mean in like a narrative way, but I mean in a way where, at least for me and for a lot of people, they play games as a kind of a way to escape and to experience something outside of themselves and that's fantastical and wonderful and that you have these, these you know, challenges that you know you can overcome because it's some in some ways a power fantasy where this feels like it's very much different and it's not a power fantasy. It's a here is you experiencing something really challenging and difficult and, and having an emotional connection to that. Do you, is this the first game where you've been drawn to that? Or is there been other games? Or do you or are that power fantasy where you can escape and you can have control in a world where a lot of times we don't? Yeah, a game like Senua's Sacrifice is probably a, a bit out of my usual zone, at least in terms of, like, the kind of... In terms of, like, the heavier content of it, I suppose. But, like, any... I've always loved any game that just, like, tells a good story like that. Anything where I can just kind of be along the ride for. But, yeah, I'd say my usual games... That's probably why I like games like Valheim, where you can kind of switch between, like, ah, I've got my armor and my Viking weapons, and I will travel into the wilderness to fight the terrible monsters and recover their goods. And then you come back and you'd be like, okay, now I'm going to make my little house. And I'm like, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to build a new oven to make some bread. Where should I put that? I can put it over here. Or it's like, oh, I need to make sure that's close to these things. So it's like, you got to get to switch between like exploration and like fighting deadly creatures that can kill you in like one hit or, and then just like nice, like Viking domesticity where you get to like make a little house and like, or make like a castle eventually. And like, just like, you know, kind of a, I like that mixture of the game elements. Um, I've only... I never really play, like, horror games. Um, mostly because I can't fucking handle that shit. <laughs> the only way... The only way I know enough about the Resident Evil games is because I watched... I watched one of the... I think it's... What's the... the one of the YouTubers. I think their name is, like, Toasted Shoes or something. Um... But they're, they're the channel that's got all, like... They mostly do, like, horror games, like, ruined by mods. So it's, like... It's Resident Evil 7, but the whole Baker family is, like, The Simpsons. 
Um, <laughs> or like, what That's was it? Funny. Like Resident Evil 8. It's like Lady Dimitrescu is, is just Lady Dimitrescu, but her head is Thomas the Tank Engine. Um, and then when she like transforms, it's just this big, like writhing Thomas the Tank Engine <laughs> flying around. Um, but then I went back and it's like, I was able to like watch... Uh, again, just watching streams of people playing the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, but I, I watched like full streams of people playing through the uh, both the Resident Evil games. Um, so it's like it's easier. I think when it's like you know what happens, and then because um, that gives me a greater appreciation for like the horror aspects. And it's like oh, yeah. it's like the the games are designed to like elicit that response, and but it's still like a little bit of that power fantasy and things, but. But also, like, I saw I saw a horror movie in, like, September, and I still can't sleep with the lights off now. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah. yeah. Can, I, can I ask what movie it was? <laughs> it was Smile! It wasn't even, like, oh, a good horror movie. Scary. It was just, like... It was... It, it's, like... I think... I think... I don't know. I could go into a whole other tangent on how... I think it has to do more with, like, agency and, like... Because I find when it's something like, especially in a movie where you're like watching and it's like, especially if things are happening to just kind of like mostly innocent people where it's just, and you're just, they're just suffering and like awful, horrific things happen. It's like, okay, that's in my soul now. That's fine. (laughs) Versus like, even like a game like Resident Evil where it's like, there's scary shit, but it's like, you got a fucking gun, you know? Right. It's like, uh... You know, that's a little, I think it's, like, easier to handle. Because there's a little bit of, like, agency and a, a, at least some sense of power. You're not you're not completely helpless. You're just mostly helpless. So, yeah, Senwa, I remember, it, you probably could beat it in a day. But I remember it was, like, <laughs> I remember, like, usually about, like, a couple hours in at a time. I was like, okay, I'm going to go. It's, like, it's it's a very intense game. Um, it's not always purely like scary, um, but it is a bit intense. Um, but that's I think, but it 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 did so much with that in a really deep way that I think that's that's what would have kept me through it rather than a, a, a similar type of game that didn't really have just like these rich like personalities and just this this really like this really compelling journey that you get to watch this person go on um, just made that, made that a good time. If, if I can ask a quick question, if that's, if that's cool for, for both of you, I, I think I've said this before, so I, I'm sorry if it's, I'm a broken record here, but I, I find, and from, from the way Celeste that you were describing uh, Hellblade, like I find the most compelling stories, the story, at least the stories I connect with the most are typically ones where like the main character is often like a person that is just very, like, I don't want to say normal, but, like, just very, like, you know, just a person, right? That's typically a good person or, or a decent enough person who is, like, thrown into a, just a horrifying situation, just an absolute awful situation. And I feel like that's always the most compelling story because that's the person that has to push through this this awful time to just to can try to continue to be happy in some way, shape, or form. Like, de- for me, Dead Space is, like, is, is your Hellblade. Like, trying to be Dead Space took me, like, a year. Which, it shouldn't take a year to be. But it was so <laughs> scary and so hard to play. But I just wanted Isaac to get through it. I just, want, I just needed him to get off that stupid ship to, like, to feel some kind of satisfaction. Like, 
because he's just trying to do the right thing and he gets just the worst you know the worst experience from it so like that's the kind of thing like and that's why with horror films as well like i watch horror films and it's good people just suffering like what's the point i don't understand the point of this like why you know why can't there be more to this where this person's trying to get through this awful situation and give me the give me the chance to feel like they're going to get through it and, and feel something i don't know yeah yeah I agree, because that's yeah. I very much remember that feeling of just like, I wanna, I wanna get through this because I want to see the end of the game. But it's like, but because it's like, but I believe the end of the game is gonna be hopefully, you know, Senwa succeeding at at least like getting her husband back, or at least gaining some like closure on that, um, you know, or at least going as far as she can. You know, it's like anything less just feels like. Um, because like she's she's just got that determination throughout the whole game, so it just feels like I, as the player, have to be there to like match that too. I'm like Sen was not giving up, so I'm not giving up. <laughs> um, There's this whole other layer too, where kind of like you said, being a voice in Senwa's head, you like uh, because you are there with her, you are possibly the thing that is pushing her through this, right? Like you are one of those voices inside her head. <laughs> Helping her yeah. get through this experience. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I really like that idea. I, I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to like headcanon that as I play through again. I just. I do like imagining. There's just like. There's like these ladies in her head who are like. <laughs> we're just talking, and then there's just this like. There's this one trans girl <laughs> who's just like, "Holy fuck, Senwa! Oh my god, this is awful, but we're gonna do this." Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, I like that. Um, but. Yeah. And something relatable too with characters like that as well, I think. Mm. Like, like with Senwa, like for me with, with Isaac Clark from Dead Space, but like, or even Resident Evil, because Ethan is very, is very much someone who's not a part of that world normally, right? Until he's kind of th- like thrust. Like Ethan. Right? Is his name? Yeah. Ethan Winters. Yeah. For seven? Yeah, and eight. Um, he's very much not part of that world, but so, which is very, like, like a, a character you can connect with on that level of, like, what is happening right now? This is awful. Like, no, 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 no. So it kind of helps to kind of, like, build that, that yeah. story, the narrative. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, yeah, putting, putting a family member in there is a really, like, easy, but, like, also really compelling way to just, like, Drive mm-hmm. a character like oh I'm just looking for my wife. It's my wife here. Oh no, there's goo monsters. Where's my wife? And then it's like, well, got my wife, but where's my baby? I need my baby. Oh, there's the werewolves. That's not my baby. That's not my baby. <laughs> That's not my baby. Um, is there, I mean, I think you've, you've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but seeing the impact this game had on you as, as not just like a, an observer and a player and having this enjoyable playable experience, but also like as a person, this kind of enforcing the idea that you can do hard things. Do you think, are, are you, do you want more games like this in the world that challenge people to get through this? And if so, how is that different or why is that different or or equally important as other media, because I think there are movies and TV shows that put people in difficult situations, but it sometimes feels different to be the driver of that. 
do you think there is like a what I'm what I'm trying to get at is like why are these things important and what can they do not to say other media are bad but what video games specifically in these narratives they can elicit and engage us in ways that other media can't to what is what is your thought on that or what is your feelings on that or what is your yeah because um if 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 i go to kind of just like my like if i go to like a rational really like logical thinking side of my brain and kind of look over senwa's sacrifice especially looking at like the gameplay like the combat's nicely paced and solid it's kind of got like a dark souls-esque feel but it's not as like i would you know and it's like overall in the whole game there's maybe like one two three like maybe like five different enemy types in the whole game and then maybe like not even like three like different bosses on top of that um you know, a lot of the game is all is just mostly like moving through areas. Like it, 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 in a gameplay aspect, it is not very complex. It's like like other games I play. Like when I play League of Legends, like I really like getting into like or like Overwatch. It's you know, it's all about like the stats, the numbers, the skill. You know, knowing like where you are on the map. You know, getting like strategies, knowing what your enemy can do. There's a lot of like knowledge based into that, and like that really scratches that itch for me. A game like Sentinel Sacrifice um, is very just, like, emotionally engaging. Um, like, half of it is just, like, it's just usually, like, <laughs> there's so many times where Senwa is just, like, just screaming in just, like, like, sheer pain, either, like, physical or emotional. And... Yeah, the behind I would you definitely gotta watch the behind the scenes things for the game. It's like Lord of the Rings. It's like you gotta you gotta see the, the behind the scenes. Um <laughs> But like the actress they had who played Senwa, like, um I think was just working for Ninja Theory as either like as like one of like the stand in people just to like run lines or something, or um or was working for them in some capacity, but never really had like an acting role before that. And but they were just like, hey, we think you'd be good for Senwa. And she talks about how, like, acting is actually, like, a huge fear of hers. And so how she channeled that in her performance, I think it's, what's her name? I, I want to say it's, um, let me give good, let me give good credit. Um, uh, Melina Jurgens, that's her name. Um, but, like, goddamn, they do the facial capture and, like, if she doesn't give, like, the most fucking, like, heart-wrenching performance. Um, and it's, it's, an all, and there's so much, like, love and research outside of the game put into it that, you know, you can tell that people really, like, care about that. And they put a lot of, a lot of time and effort into making it uh, as, like, coherent and crisp and authentic an experience as they could. Um, so all of that effort to really, to really tell a good story was very important to me. Something that could get to something so like, so just like human 
and something so like deep and powerful and strong it's like very similar to my feelings on why i love playing like dungeons and dragons with like you and our friends so much because it's like um you know besides just a you know a good excuse to make stand in characters uh you know for when you don't have therapy um <laughs> to work on your stuff um just that that storytelling and being having 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 a space you know in playing a game you can experience those emotions and these events but with that safety of you know those things aren't actually happening to you you know you're not you're not actually getting like you know your whole fucking leg bit off or something i don't know um you're not about to drown in like an ice river or something uh but it's it it gives you enough of a connection to it where it can it's you know it's not you're you're not wholly separated from it you're still in it you know to a degree and that's how it affects you and becomes a part of you and it's it's really just a good way to like empathize with other people for like problems and emotions that you probably maybe never have had or maybe never will have or maybe you've had something frighteningly similar um but it just connects on such like an emotional level and that's where a lot of it's like power comes from just makes you feel things gives you the feelings and then it's done <laughs> is it do you think it's ironic because when you said that i said this thought do you think it's ironic how like games like Senwa's Sacrifice and, and other, you know, games like narratives like that makes someone, makes character, people feel empathetic towards those characters, which I think you're 100% correct. And then games like League and Overwatch, <laughs> where you're playing with real humans, you feel the, like the most least empathetic and just <laughs> absolutely horrible things are said to other human beings. Like, isn't um, it, I, the irony in that whole thing, isn't it? Well, I try to be the exception in those games because I'm, I'm like, mm. I support man in both games. <laughs> so I'm just I would, there to be like, I just want everyone to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, and I'm lucky enough to have like friends that I usually play that with. So it's, it's a little bit more about spending time because oh my god trying to play those games by yourself solo yeah. queuing and stuff it's just like oh <laughs> i haven't heard that slur in a while <laughs> right <laughs> um, like, that can be a time um but yeah I, that's i suppose that's the difference between kind of like um a narrative game that's really like inviting you to like engage like emotionally and empathize versus like a competitive game that's asking you to to never put those aside for a little bit <laughs> while you, you stomp some noobs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I usually prefer generally yeah those experiences where I really get to dive and like empathize with. There are definitely some games that I would like to play that are heavy and that are going to be hard to experience and I'm excited to play and I've told Eric this before but I, I feel like I need to get in a good mental state to do so. Oh, absolutely. Like I, need, I, need to, I need to have the time to fully, speaking about Last of Us Part 2, to like process <laughs> yeah. and work yeah, through honestly. that experience and because the first game was so emotional and so intense and I really enjoyed it but like I was in a different headspace when I played that game than now um and being able to like sit down and fully experience it and not have to like wake up at seven in the morning and go and like then do a whole day um <laughs> feels overwhelming yeah. so I, I i certainly like it is making sure you find that that time to have that headspace is important 
Wow, that was a, Ryan. You are so correct. Like, it's funny that you say that because, like, that just brought me back to playing part two compared to part one. Part one, like, definitely heavy, right? Yeah. But part two is giving me all the things that Celeste is saying about Senwa and just kind of having to, like, go through that, like, this is an awful situation. I <laughs> absolutely hate this. And it just kind of sits with you. Like, I can't play Last of Us Part Two. I don't think I can play it for quite a while now. I just don't think I can do it. Like, it's just such a, it's just so heavy. It's so, ill. yeah. In a good way. It's a fantastic game. Everyone should try it. Celeste, where else is there? First off, is there any other game experiences like to talk about? And if not, we can move on to other things. But is there any other games that were important to you, or you want to talk more about before we, you know, close off for the day? Um, I'm sure I'll think of one for next time. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Lots of, <laughs> that I, perfect. I say is for similar things. Me finally getting into another game that has been on my list uh, for a while. Uh, that I've been trying to get to that I just started a couple days ago was the the final season of the Telltale's Walking Dead games. Oh, because I've I've played through the first three of those and whole oh boy are those <laughs> yeah yeah it's like you play those games it's like oh everyone died that was fun <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. you just you just sitting there and just kind of like this like depressed days for like three days afterwards like oh that was great I love that so as I say as I'm going into so I'm going into the, the final season to conclude that little yeah that story Ooh. arc. That should that should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to make sure we talk about that next time. Well, where can we find you in the world? <clears throat> what anything else you want to plug or share, Celeste? That you want to tell us more? Nowhere. About? I am a hermit, <laughs> alone in the woods. Mm. If you want to really, I can just plug the fantastic. Baldur's Gate episodes here mm-hmm. on <laughs> Tales of Cartridge. Some of our best episodes, quite honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eric, I was telling Celeste that if you look at our, like, over the past 24 months, it's the top downloaded of our story wow. episodes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it is. Yeah. So, For good reason. Like, there's so much effort put into yeah. it. It's oh, yeah. so good. It's so, so good. honored, yeah, so phenomenal. humbled. So stay tuned <laughs> for when I finish the second half. Of Baldur's Gate 2. Baldur's Gate 2, part two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm so excited. And I, and it's funny, too, because like, I'm actually so thankful, Celeste, for how great of a job you do in this episode. Because it pushes me. Like, so when we were, I was editing that episode, it was pushing me so hard to find the best sound effects and put them in the best spots and make it all sound. Because I just wanted to make sure that it was it was perfect. You know what I mean? So I, I, hopefully it was good enough for you. Because uh, you your performance is already so great. So I'm yeah. very excited. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful to have this lovely platform that y'all set up. And we're grateful. It must be for you, Ryan. I, I feel like you <laughs> oh, feel yeah. the same way. But we're so grateful. grateful that you come yeah. on. Like literally, yeah. So thankful. So yeah. thankful. Mm-hmm. So that, that way, all the story girls have to listen to our weird voices all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're very good ones. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Celeste, thank you so much for joining us. It is mm-hmm. lovely as always to have you on. Um, and of I can't wait for you to come back. Thank you so much. Yes. For Love sure. Time as always. Storygoers, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach out through our, our email, cartridge at gmail.com, all the easier threes on our Instagram, or by leaving us a voicemail or text at 207-494-4334. Um, and we will read all those in the future episode. If you have any questions for Celeste, when next time she comes on, we'll be happy to share those and ask questions. That'd be awesome. As always, we will see you in the next episode. Hope everyone's happy, healthy, and safe. Again, Celeste, thank you so much. You're fantastic. Thank you so for coming on. Uh, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. 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 <laughs>